welcome to our virtual town hall. Thank you all for being here. My name is Nikki Hurd. And before we begin, I want to thank Providence for bringing all of us together, our amazing voices as one, and to Dash Radio for giving our voices a platform. We all know that police brutality isn't the only form of racial injustice. There's a long history of inequality in America's based on race. That's why this conversation is so important. It's our turn to have our voices heard so that we too can make a difference. We know what's happening. Now we need to discuss how we address why it's happening and what we're going to do to prevent it to, from being continuous. So before we go any further, I would like to introduce our esteemed panelists that we have participating today. We have Dr. Lauren Harper, Sal Matskela, Sorry if I butchered your name. Jordan Babineau, Ace Hood, and Demerick. Thank you all for being here. So here we are, we're still facing attacks on people of color and in the middle of a pandemic, which is why this is so important. Whether we acknowledge our feelings of anxiety, depression, frustration, fear, or trauma, anything that this is inciting in us, we have to realize that everything happening in our world right now is having a devastating impact on our mental well-being. Today, our panel will discuss what happens when oppression meets depression. Please note that we are going to discuss some things in this broadcast that may trigger you and be hard to hear. There are resources to help in our comment sections for links. Due to the sensitivity of this topic and the emotions it brings up, there may be some adult language that is rated R. Okay, well, let's get started. Dr. Harper, um, the COVID-19 pandemic is hitting Black communities really hard. On top of this, we are still dealing with the added stress of social injustice from many murders, most um, publicized recently George Floyd. What do you think the fallout will be for mental health in the Black community? And what can we do to prevent it or to just help and aid in making it not as tough of a blow? Yeah, thank you for that question, which is such a big question for sure. Um, so first and foremost, I mean, just to acknowledge, which is an unfortunate acknowledgement, but a necessary one, that this is not something new for us. Um, and I think to also keep in mind that there's something to say about what happens when an event is publicized. There's an initial increase in spike, right? And anxiety and maybe other kind of emotions, anger, frustration, and all of those depression, possibly all of those things. That's, I would say, probably fairly common around all of us is that shock factor. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's also something to say about for a lot of people, they've gotten to a place where it's kind of numbing and they don't have that shock factor. And that's something that can be kind of scary for people mm -hmm. as well. These are things that we should have emotional responses to. And at the same time, these are things that we have had emotional responses to for so long. Our brains and our bodies and our nervous systems become overloaded. And so we tend to respond in different ways, right? So when we think about what does that then mean for the future or the ideas around mental health for us as a community, I think it's important to see the beauty of us is that we're all different. There are nuances. Mm -hmm. Some people may feel continued anger, anxiety, depression, frustration, even days, months, years after an event. And some people may tend to shut down, feel numb, and not have those same experiences. And each of those are okay, right? We're all warranted to have our own emotional responses. Mm -hmm. What's more important about what do we do about that is how do we acknowledge in ourselves and maybe acknowledge in, our, in other people and our loved ones and our family members when those emotions on either of those spectrum, either of that spectrum, become to a point where we're not functional, where we're not yes. able to still have that resilience about us that we so much have that going through our day-to-day -day routines is something that we can't do. And I think this is hard. This is what happens in, for psychologists in that when you go see a counselor, a therapist, psychologist, and they go to diagnose you, well, it's not really going to fit clearly into the diagnostic criteria because of mm -hmm. course, this would be something that would keep us from being functional, right? Yes. But maybe not necessarily that you are depressed. Maybe I'm mad. Maybe, maybe I'm grieving. And grief is a different experience just because just outside of depression, right? So a couple things that I think are important is that we have to be very intentional and 
connected to ourselves, to be aware and understanding of our own emotional responses. How do I tend to respond to stress in general and how mm -hmm. that may look different from someone else so that if those feelings come up, I can recognize that. I don't see that as pathological, but I mm -hmm. see that as maybe I'm not doing well and I need to let someone know. I need to process this. I need to get this out and I should be warranted to do that. That's first and foremost. And secondly, not being afraid to engage in some kind of community, whether that be with a therapist, somebody of trained professional, which I would highly recommend. I mean, we've got tons and tons of things available across the country these days that are free services for Black people that are specifically around racial injustice processing um, or um, reduced rating. Um, or even if you're not at a place where you're maybe ready to work with a trained professional, do you have someone in your life that you feel is safe, that you can trust, and that you can at least have these conversations? Because the more we hold on to a lot of that frustration, anger, anxiety, depression, that then can lead to other issues, right? Health, physical health issues, chronic health issues. And now we've got other things to also think about, right? And so we need to think about how an act of our resistance is us being healthy, mentally, physically, all of that. And we need to be able to acknowledge when that's coming up and how do we take care of that? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And we do have um, a lot of resources. We have like Providence, for example, and it's okay to say I'm just not mentally where I, I, I usually am. It's kind of like doing a checkup, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think it's important in our community that it, it's no longer taboo and it's okay to speak up, which is why we have you know, such an esteemed panel today. Um, Ace, how does what's happening in the world right now affect your approach to your career in music? And how do you get engaged with your fans? Is it any differently? Are you taking a stance on this? Yes, uh, it's forced me to, uh, I, like what, uh, I like what Lauren said. That was really dope too, just to comment on that. Um, it forced me to step outside of myself and really focus on like the collective voice of the people, you know, like, Especially for artists, I think like we could get, we can be a little selfish with our project and the things that we're working on and we want to promote that. And I was actually in the midst of dropping a project during this time. So for me, it was just mainly like, just knowing that what's, what's happening now is much larger than me. Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, it's much larger than my music and me being an artist, I feel like. So it's like, you know, what can I do? You know, asking myself, what can I do? Whether that's me going out there and being frontline with my people, which I did, whether it's me being a part of tough conversations like this, having conversations with my uh, my white friends as well. This uncomfortable conversations with people, I think it's helped me a lot. You know, uh, like she said, mentioning community and stuff. So uh, with my music, and I love that the intentional thing, I've always uh, done my best to be intentional about my music and about my words, my language, or just my post or anything that I do. Because um, I think that we need a more intentional world, a more intentional place. Um, and Musically, that's how, you know, I create dialogue in that way, you know, whether it's speaking on the times, I dropped a, I dropped a project called Self-Preservation and it was mm -hmm. speaking on the pandemic and everything that's happening now. So this is how I create the conversation and keep fans engaged just about what they think, how's your mental space, you know, how are you spiritually, how are you mentally, you know, so uh, those type of things and questions because that's, you know, ultimately, you know, that's what I put in my music is, you know, how we can overcome like our mental health and, and you know, eventually internally search, you know, what we have inside and be able to bring that out. Um, so, yeah. Since what's going on today, let me take a sidebar here. Um, do you feel like what's going on currently, perhaps with like a Nick Cannon that's publicly being, um, you know, it's, it's been publicly known now what um, American society is viewing as things that he has recently mentioned and that's because he has a platform and fans just as you do. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that that would stifle you making people aware of not only Black injustice and oppression, but also depression that kind of couples with oppression? Um, say that again for me one more time. I want to make sure I understand the question. So you're saying... Do you feel like you're stifled now, now that you see what's going on today, for example? Do you feel like now, in order to not lose certain platforms, whether they're sponsorships or places that you do concerts and tours, do you feel like if you address what's happening in America and how you feel in Black America, as it relates to us being oppressed as a people and equating to depression, do you think that because you're watching what's happening to someone that we all see on our television screens for years, mm 
that that will cause you to stop speaking out? Never, never. It will never. Um, I think the main thing for me is, is just being informed. I think being as educated as possible. You know, uh, I don't know in fullness what Nick Cannon did, uh, but I will do my research on it. But I'm a big fan of just researching and, and knowing uh, what, you, what you're speaking about, what you're talking about, and being mm -hmm. able to bring facts to that particular thing and understanding that certain, you know, uh, subjects are sensitive. But as far as like being stifled, no, because um, this is what I do as being an artist. You know, I use my, you know, I broadcast things. It's, it's, it's meant for me to have these tough conversations. So uh, sometimes it's a bit challenging because I think, you know, when you do put opinions and ideas out there, they can be challenged, you know, um, or it can even get backlash. But I think mm -hmm. that uh, the intention, again, coming back to the intention of what I want, you know, knowing that I want a more loving place, just the more, uh, you know, just a more intentional place. I think uh, a healthier place, happier place, obviously for people. Um, we need to have these type of conversations. So in terms of me being stifled, like I said, it's bigger than me. So whatever happens to me happens to me in my circumstance, but it needs to be said. Thank you. Now, Jordan, in the NFL, you've had to rely on your resilience and mental toughness. How are you dealing with the toll of everything that's happening right now? Yeah, thank you. Um, that's a, uh, I mean, I want to commend to our, our other panelists who spoke before me, and I'm just over here taking some notes. I figured there's something to learn as well from uh, other individuals. Um, and, 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 and talking about resilience and talking about oppression, it's one of the things that we as a culture, and particularly Black people, have had to deal with. And every culture and race has had to deal with their own uh, level of challenges, particularly as we talk into this subject. Uh, I just want to comment, and I, I was speaking with my mentor this morning, Brennan Burchard, uh, and, and we we're talking about resilience. And re resilience is something that I think each of us has, has built, and certainly we wouldn't be in the positions that we are to have the type of influence if we haven't been resilient in the face of adversity. Um, but, but how do we deal with resilience when we're also challenged with failure? I mean, are we really uh, gaining ground as a culture to say that the things that we're seeing in our world are being addressed as rapidly as we'd like to see the change? Uh, and, and I just have to comment on some of the things that uh, was said by Dr. Lauren uh, and, and building that community and dealing with emotions. Um, you know, having that emotional resilience, I, I think is quite important. And it's okay to be angry and frustrated if you're fueling it in a positive manner. Uh, Asa had talked about what he's doing on the music front and certainly in my position, uh, working with other athletes uh, to create change uh, on our level of platform as well. So I think it's uh, critically important to talk about that, but how do we deal with resilience in the face of uh, looking at what we're dealing with from this challenging standpoint, something that we may or may not be able to see completely come to fruition in our lifetime, but dealing with that resilience in a challenging time. And I think the last piece of it, and I think uh, Ace may have illustrated this too, but, but just having that discipline um, to continue to, even in other areas of my, li my, my life, if I'm lacking or feel like I failed in one area, that it doesn't seep into these other areas of my life, be it uh, finance, relationships, uh, career, um, health, uh, and, and livelihood and things of that nature. So um, while it's certainly important to talk about resilience uh, in that manner and build community, it's also equally important to continue to fight for our position in other areas of our life, despite having to deal with some of the, those obstacles that we face while being resilient. Thank you. Very well said. Um, Sal. You've reported on some major people and events in your career as a journalist. Is there anything you want your listeners to know about positive ways for dealing with these current events that we're all trying to cope with in our community, especially with the stress of seeing George Floyd's murder on every screen 24-7? Well, um, first of all, thank you. Um, it's an honor to be amongst these voices and right off the bat, the manner in which everybody uh, is sharing from the heart and holy uh, is encouraging to the spirit. I think um, for me, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting time where you find yourself separating from what you do and who you are. 
yes, like who you are influences what you do. But when we are all as exposed as we are and no one's sort of immune to, to being able to hide from what's going on, uh, to have the things that they do sort of be above or even distract. Like there's nothing that I can do or say, there's no music that Ace can, uh, uh, can make right now that can distract or, or take people out right. of the thing. Um, so for me, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's been kind of beneficial in a strange way where it's forced me to be really, really whole and open about the totality of who I am as a black man in America, especially as a man who has a large audience of, of white people. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I'm, I'm a person who has been commentating the sports of skateboarding and snowboarding uh, and BMX and, and, and surfing and sports that when you turn on the television, like you mostly only see me 99.9% yes. .9 of the time sports. as a black person. Um, and sometimes my audience has gotten comfortable over the years in thinking, well, you know, he's more like us than he is one of them. Um, and they, they almost get a sense of ownership over you because mm -hmm. you're participating in what they like to think is theirs without uh, actually seeing that you have actually ownership and that this space is yours. Mm -hmm. And I've dealt with that a lot over, over the course of my career, especially in the last five years that people have felt really bold as a result of what we're experiencing um, from the administration down. And this space that we've been in, especially in the wake of, of George Floyd, has been like handcuffs off um, mm -hmm. and a, an opportunity to be whole and direct about who I am and how I feel and an opportunity to, tr to try, an opportunity to really try to create or dig at and see if I can't tap into the empathy of um, people within my audience who maybe say with the things that they say or feel the way they feel out of fear and being the beneficiaries of a horrible American education system. And also, you know, the second generation of families who've taught them things that are not true. So it's, and it's, it's been actually empowering to me um, to really step up and use the totality of my voice and not being silent has helped me to deal with some of the things that Dr. Lawrence spoke about as far as that depression and not being able to like know what to do uh, with the anger. Because if you check in on any of your black friends, especially in the, in the, in the wake of what we went through with, with Brianna and then the Central Park issue, and, and then finally George Floyd, on top of being in a pandemic, you know, we were already stressed all the way out. And yes, we know how to pivot because we've been dealing with these things for a long time. I always say it's, the irony is that you didn't see black people out there um, protesting uh, about masks or not being able to go into certain places at certain times because we've been dealing with that for the totality of our existence. So this was just something else to add into the flow chart. And for a lot of people, this is the first time that they were ever challenged and told no. But then when you add in this, this level of just rawness in the abuse of our bodies at the hands of the system while be, whilst being in this thing, for all of us, I think it just broke, has broken us open. Um, and it's an opportunity to, to deal with and, and to really engage in self-care and make sure that you can maintain yourself through that. But I, I feel like my voice will, will never, whatever sort of subliminal handcuffs that I had on before in trying to like manage what I say with what I do, those will never exist uh, again in my lifetime as in the manner as Ace said, you know, nothing is going to stop me. And I also, I'm, I'm second generation of a father who, you know, my, my father fought against apartheid and was, was homeless for 30 years as a political exile and had to make music and, and encourage people around the world to understand what was going on in South Africa. And um, yeah, I just, I, I feel this has broken me open in a way to, to be as true to myself as possible. And strangely in the midst of what that brings, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of grateful. Yeah, that's amazing. You made a you made some good points. I have um, three sons and one funny part is my 13 year old. I said, make sure you put your mask on before you go outside. And he said, they're gonna kill us anyway. So I'm not afraid of COVID, I'm afraid of the police. And being, you know, third generation to the Emmett Till um, family, my, it was one of my cousins and so my boys were raised around it, but that was just a scary thought. 
to even, you know, just to hear someone speak that. And at 13 years old, you know, you would think that we were far, far past where we are right now. So thank you guys so much for um, your answers and just sharing wholeheartedly how you all feel. Um, our topic two today is going to be mental health taboo and coping because we do have a taboo in the black community when it comes to mental health. I think oftentimes we take that as a sign of weakness when it's just a sign of hurt and pain and you don't know what to do, which is why sometimes I think people may see riots because when you're feeling weak or when you're feeling depressed and people are saying, oh, you're just weak, whatever you try to overthrow, you try to assert yourself physically, and that never really works in our favor. I mean, rioting is not the answer, it's getting ourselves clear, heard, and self-care. So um, Sal, talk to us about the mental health impact surrounding your family's experience with apartheid that you mentioned earlier. And have you learned to process this over the years? You know, I didn't really come to understand the, the wholeness of what my father was dealing with um, internally in exile, uh, living in America whilst missing his family and, and country uh, in South Africa until I was probably about 15 or 16. And my father, through the first half of my life, played the strongman. Um, and he relied on substance as well as a way of coping and, and, and tried to go out of his way to make everyone laugh um, until that didn't work anymore. And he had to make, he, he surprised me and made some, some really powerful changes in his life. And in the back half of his life, became a heavy, heavy, heavy advocate for not being the tough guy and, mm -hmm. and speaking and practicing Tai Chi. At my, my, he was out here, he'd be out here every morning at seven in the morning doing Tai Chi for an hour and then coming in and wanting to have these expansive conversations about <laughs> the mind and heart. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with my dad formerly, like he was just basically a fighter. He was the person that if someone disrespected them, especially with what he was walking around inside, you mm -hmm. prayed for them. Like he would stop a show and call someone out in the middle of a show for disrespecting his band, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and so between watching his shift and my mother, who has been a, an early proponent of, of self-care, she practices alternative medicine and alternative health. Um, it was never taboo in my, in my home to really en engage in taking care um, of myself uh, from the, in it, from, from an awareness standpoint and not being afraid um, to look inside and, and to acknowledge what's going on with you emotionally. I mean, listen, I have sat here in this house more than once in the last four and a half months of what we've been going through and been literally reduced to tears. I don't consider that weakness. I consider mm -hmm. that being able to acknowledge where I'm at and then figuring out the proper ways to respond. I have a therapist. You know, I practice meditation. I do everything I can to take advantage of getting outside and, and simply taking walks and breathing. And I try to have as many healthy conversations with others, especially my black brothers and sisters, to check in and see how they're doing. Because mm -hmm. when you call someone and you ask a couple of leading questions, no matter how on the surface they're like, yeah, I'm grinding, I'm maintaining, <laughs> everyone's gonna settle in and let you know what's really going on. And mm -hmm. I think we have to really do the work to be there for each other and let each other know that, that we're, we are that safe, that safe space where you could tell me however it is or what it is that you're going through and that we'll be here just to listen for each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't, we can't, no one can hear us better than we can hear each other. Um, and I think the benefits of that at this, at this time, as far as self-care and as a collective are immeasurable. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Oh. Now, with all the people that you've interviewed and met, what are the consequences that you see when people don't talk about taboo topics such as mental health? Is there a shift there that you see? You know, I've, I've, um, I've seen a lot of athletes over the years, um, especially when they come down from the top of the plateau where they're constantly being cheered for and then assimilate back into regular life. Um, 
not deal with what that means, not deal with what those changes are and, and how it affects them. Uh, and, and, and seeing, seeing some really horrible turns, um, and, and sharp demises in, in, in who they get to be as people. And I, I, I think when you look at those people who are elite performers at the highest level, who we wonder at, right. And then we see them on the back end when they're reduced to being actual, just, uh, regular mortal beings. It's, it's just it's such a reminder where those people who are so disciplined, right, and have this ability to focus at the highest level and enter flow state are going to deal with mental and emotional um, problems as a result of not dealing and engaging in self-care. Um, how much more so for, for us? You know, it's, it, yeah. it should be an, an example of, of, of understanding that perf performance at the highest level uh, also means performance at the highest level when it comes to self-care. Yeah, and and Kill, I'll, I'll add to that too because it's one of the things that I talk about in my new book, Pivot to Win, uh, set to release this fall, is dealing with that transition from professional athlete to life after football. And I've watched people do it before me who have done it well. And there's also the other side of it. Um, the hardest part is going through it. And mm -hmm. what you don't really know uh, or can express to someone is the feeling you get from, and and I, I say this cautiously, uh, with respect to the pedestal of being the best in, in the world at your craft to now being a beginner at something new. And that change in culture is really, um, is, is really a psychological shock uh, to really exist as just an individual instead of the person who wore the jersey, um, and and I, and a lot of I've seen a, a lot of players deal with it. I talk about my struggles through it, uh, and having to and is the desire to still want to live a certain type of lifestyle, uh, although the money doesn't support that lifestyle no longer, or what once was in terms of friends, culture, and community to now. Mm -hmm. A, a real and wholesome identity of the self. And, and so just like you're talking about, I had, I mean, there were some real conversations with myself. Like I had to, you know, really get centered about who I was uh, and still on a quest and a path in doing that. Uh, but mm -hmm. um, as Dr. Uh, Lauren indicated earlier, I think it's that emotional awareness and understanding it because we're all triggered by something. But if you understand those triggers, uh, it's that emotional part that I think that we can deal with better and manage just a little bit better. Uh, but that is a real thing, Sal, and having to deal with that mental and emotional stress from being the best in the world to now transitioning uh, out of something, out of your culture. Um, essentially going to work and your key doesn't work. Or talk about the, uh, the, the, the armed, uh, our armed forces who transition into regular civilian life. You know, these families have to deal with that big pivot. Um, so it's a, it's a real thing. And again, back to uh, what Dr. Lauren was saying, it's really building that pillar uh, around community and having people around you to help you navigate what that transition will look like. Indeed, thank you so much. Um, I'm gonna ask you a question, Dimrick, being in the entertainment industry, how do you know when you're feeling anxious? Uh, I want to say, you know, thank you guys for everything that you've been saying. I'm inspired the whole way through everything that everybody's been through. dropping a lot of knowledge in here, man. I'm just <laughs> listening. Like, wow, you know, it's this life is hard, man. You know, and it's difficult every day. And I think that the, the sooner that you come to terms with that this thing is going to be an uphill uphill battle the whole way through you know you're able to deal with moments when you get anxious and things like that a little better you know and uh you don't feel as flustered or the box even though you feel like you're in a box it don't feel as tight and as small you know so where you'll lash out you you kind of understand that everything happens in waves so when i start feeling anxious or something like that you know um i just remind myself that you know, I always tell myself, like, it ain't the end of the world, you know, like traveling and, and a lot of things like that. Like something as simple as I used to not be able to be on long flights without 
tripping out, you know? It's like, how am I going to survive this 14-hour flight, you know, to go to Australia to do these shows, to do this traveling? And, I, and I'm just talking about something very uh, minimal like that. And, you know, you then you look over and you see the the baby playing two seats in front of you, you know, with mm-hmm. their toy and it joining, you got to kind of like calm yourself down and, and understand that a lot of the feelings that are surging within you, you know, they're going to pass. They're not going to last this whole time. So you just have to allow it to happen and go its course too. And then you get yeah. right back to, uh, right back to business. And I, and like I said, like, from a lot of things that you guys are saying, it's just, you know, life is uphill battlefield with changes. It's never going to be the same way every day. Like, so it's like, you know, people, I just want to talk about real quick about the sports thing, about how you give your whole life to, to something. You work so hard to become so good and you get praised so much for doing something. And then one day you're not doing that anymore. And you got to focus your energy into something else and become okay with that. You know, that's going to spark feelings with inside of yourself that's going to make you feel lost, going to make you feel overwhelmed. It's going to give you all kind of feelings that you're not used to because you you know, we're creatures of uh, of habit, right? So we just mm-hmm. going through our habits, you know, the good ones, the bad ones, some to make us great, some that we don't want everybody to know about, you know? And it's just like at the end of the day, we got to understand that uh, we only control so much of, of this. And I think that's what the pandemic is showing us. I think that's what, uh, you know, life is showing us right now is, mm-hmm. you know, in some sense of the word, we got to roll with the punches out here and try to, figure out how to be the best versions of ourselves through this whole thing. Thank you. That's a lot of good advice. I mean, we do have to just stay focused. And this this whole life thing is a roller coaster, right? Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, and sometimes it just gets stuck. But we just got to keep going. Um, let me go ahead and ask um, Ace. Let me get back to you really quickly. Um, so tell me, how you feel um or what do you know what do you want young people to know from celebrities and influencers that have that look to you for guidance knowing that people are looking to you what do you feel your responsibility is other than just to you know make a song about it like you mentioned earlier uh i think part of my responsibility is to um remind people of their power in some sense you know um just with doing all of this work and i I really love what they said uh what what jordan said what Demrick said sell it said um everyone man it's it's because that's a real thing coming from because as being an independent artist and being in an industry so much noise and so much things happening and career radio and all that to coming to being uh, a whole human being now and how does that work being a husband to being you know, more of a father and more of a, you know, this, this spiritual being rather. So uh, my goal is just, I think, to remind people of their power, to remind people of their strength, uh, to remind people of that you know, what we're dealing with is a moment in some sense, in terms of like their feelings, you know, like this is a moment in this too, um, you know, and not to stay there. Like it's important to feel what we feel. It's important to feel the fear, to feel the anxiety and feel the anxiousness and to be upset and to be mad. Uh, but where do we go from there? You know, so teaching people that it's cool to feel what you feel, but we got to elevate, you know, uh, that energy at some point to be able to call for something much greater for ourselves. So uh, for me, it's just to remind people, I think, whether it's being a black man and, and, and uh, representing a healthier space in hip hop, representing a healthy marriage, a healthy lifestyle, healthy father, uh, healthy fatherhood is just being a black man. Uh, and to remind people of these uh, what's happening socially, you know, uh, systemically uh, and with the government in the world. Like I've always been intentional uh, with this type of messaging and stuff, so. Awesome, give me like two or three things you can name, particularly that gives you, that sends that signal to your brain to let you know, you know what, I'm getting anxious. That some yeah. kids may be able to relate with, you know, just give me two or three characteristics. Uh, for me, I would say like uh, the loss of power, you know, like a loss of power, I think for me always makes me feel, it always makes me feel like a little easy, uneasy uh, for the most part. And I think that uh, just being in the space lately of being in the unknown is always, I think, the scariest place, but almost, but also the place to where you can like uh, manifest anything that you want, I feel like. So um, 
you know, I, anytime I'm feeling incoherent, if I feel, I know when I'm anxious because, you know, I'm more irritated, I get frustrated a lot more. Like, you know, the smaller things start to affect me, uh, which is why meditation has been such ma so major for me, is bringing it back to the breath, you know, reminding myself that a sound voice, reminding myself that everything is okay, um, because there is a lot of noise. And sometimes we just need a sound voice to help us so we can continue to stay uh, enthusiastic about this stuff and continue to, you know, build that resilience inside of ourselves. So uh, that that is definitely a few ways of how I would know and when I'm incoherent in my heart. I, feel like. I did read somewhere that you studied meditation and mindfulness. So mm -hmm. I see that how it, how it all parlays and helps you to, to get over it. So thank you. That can be a very um, helpful situation for someone, you know what I mean? To just be at one with themselves yes. and just know their triggers. So thank yes. you for that. Could I also jump in as well? Yeah, I was just coming to you. <laughs> oh, were you? Good. See, yeah. My timing. Timing is everything. I love what you all are saying. Um, and so much so love what Ace, what you're saying. Because um, I was thinking just exactly those things is how do you recognize when you're being anxious? I think we were talking about this earlier, is being able to be in tune with yourself emotionally. But anxiety can manifest itself in a couple different ways. One, very cognitively, like in your brain, right? So maybe a lot of worry, a lot of thoughts, se seem like you just can't get those same kind of thoughts out of your head. Ruminating is what we would call that. Or even racing thoughts. Like it seems like you're thinking about three, four, five, six things all at once. Or your thoughts are all over the place. Not being able to compartmentalize or make sense of them. Um, so you can have a lot of that. You can hear you hear people sometimes even going, I just can't get out of my head. I'm in my head a lot, right? I'm just kind of out here. Mm -hmm. You can also get a lot of physiological symptoms, meaning how you feel in your body, feeling kind of nervous, um, feeling maybe you got some stomach issues, butterflies, weird things going on, uh, chest pressure, chest tightness, heavy breathing. Um, trouble sleeping, kind of numbness, tingling, even sense like sensations, all of that, that all can be categorized around anxiety. And those are so important to acknowledge because for a lot of people, what it ends up happening is people think they're having some kind of physical health reaction, yes. like a heart attack or having some other issue going on, right? And so that you don't always get the right treatment when you're, it's nothing wrong with your heart per se, is that there's anxiety going on and you're needing some more support of, maybe it's counseling or therapy, or like Ace is saying, maybe it's meditation, right? It's breath work. Cause we forget to breathe when we're anxious mm -hmm. and we're not getting enough of that, right? So it's important for that because say somebody, if you go to your doctor Providence, for example, Providence has done really well with, that's my role as a psychologist um, in primary care. Like if you go to your primary care doctor and you're like, I've been having these stomach pains for, forever and I don't know what's going on, nothing will fix it. Or I've just been feeling like off for a while. One of the benefits of that is that I could be a person then your primary might say, you know, seems like nothing else is lining up. Maybe we need to have this person come in and chat with you and see if we're missing something. And I might typically then be able to appropriately diagnose like maybe there's some anxiety piece going on, right? So it's important to read up or listen to some other people who have had those experiences so you can be able to recognize those things in yourself and understand that there are many alternative ways of treatment for that right meditation breath work that we said uh, yoga reiki uh, i mean there's so much that you could be doing in addition to like counseling or therapy or if you're religious and or spiritual and prayer is your thing i mean there's so many ways that you can what you're trying to do is calm that nervous system and just like our other panelists are saying is you're trying to tell yourself that this is a moment right this is not my life this is this moment i can get past this moment and i have particular coping skills that can calm that body down right and calm the mind down to get through that moment yeah, yeah I, I just, i'm sorry no 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 go ahead i wish that there was a lot more information out there about the fact of the effects that stress could have on you or anxiety or like, I don't think that there's enough information or it's not put up there. You know, a lot of times when you go see a physician or something, you know, they're looking to pinpoint something that's wrong with you because of something and they want to treat it, you know, with mm -hmm. some, usually some kind of medication or something like that, you know, there's not enough information that, that the people know that, hey, man, if you are really living your life like under super amounts of stress, like it could affect you in some totally different way. You could something could manifest this way out of you in a, in a negative way through your body that's not even up here. And 
that's part of the reason why, you know, meditation and things like Ace is talking about is like essential to life, you know, just really putting it in your brain and understanding that those feelings and that energy that happens to you needs to be dealt with because it can manifest this way, it manifest itself out of you in some yeah, really negative way. ways that, so once it's out of here and it's in here and your heart's racing and you think you're having a heart attack and you're rushing to the hospital because you don't know what's going on with you, things like that, you know, it's to think that that could possibly be come from the fact that you're stressed out about your job or stressed out about something that's happening in your life, you know, all watching the news every day, you know, touching your phone, you're looking at the news and the phone, they're like, there's so much coming at you every single day, you know, if you're not able to process and deal with that in a, in a good way, you know, it could really hurt you. And I don't think there's enough information out there about that, you know? I, I, I concur so heavily with, 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 with all of that. I mean, I, I thought for a very long time that anxiety wasn't even a real thing. I remember when people would talk about having anxiety, I would just be like, well, that sounds like weakness to me. You know, we're, we're taught so much uh, about the grind, right? And like, just to be out there grinding and keep hammering away. And for me, about 12 years ago, I caught the heaviest wake up call ever, where I was on a phone call in, in a stressful day and I, collapse boom drop to the ground my roommate comes and shakes me and wakes me up he's like what happened i was like i don't know next thing you know i had an advanced case in the manner that dr lauren spoke of and i ended up having these simulations like i was dying and was hospitalized four different times a couple times when i was at work i had to leave jobs had to get taken out of the back of a hotel through the restaurant so that they wouldn't see me and take pictures on a job that i was doing in las vegas and it forced me to have to re-examine the totality of my existence and what my grind looked like and what was worth it and what wasn't and what was it what it was that I was really chasing and that's when I began um to to be able to to really deep dive and do some of that work but you know to Demerick's point like we don't talk about it we we don't have these conversations uh, amongst ourselves as a collective as black people especially that says what you are feeling is okay it is normal no matter how much of a beast you might think yourself to be that you can go through this and here are the things that are available the multitude of ways some of which might be intimidating to you because they're not normal that you'll be able to get past this and actually be a better person and so a lot of times people what do they end up doing end up self-medicating right in various ways so you can hide and just maintain doing the thing so I'm, I'm, I'm honored to hear this coming out into the air because a lot of times people have gone through these things and are afraid to talk about them. And if I could, again, make a point, I love that you all are bringing up the topic around weakness because that is a huge part of why this is, whether it be the counseling or even discussing or thinking about our mental health, right, it, is that there is this concept of being weak. And I just want to challenge that notion of weakness and think about where did that come from? Because I do not believe that we taught ourselves that being in tune of our mental health or going to therapy, that we decided that it was weakness, right? I think if we go back and think even when it comes to slavery, we have been stripped, we were stripped of everything, right? And told that we had to succumb to that kind of power and regime and that we were weak. And so my feeling really is that if we shift our own perspective around the idea that how is it weak? for me to go and figure out why I feel the way I feel and improve myself so that I can feel like I'm stronger. I can feel like I'm doing my best. I can feel like I'm at the top of my game. How would that then make me weak, right? So I think just if that is something that people are feeling, that in itself is something that you can even take to therapy, right? You can take to a counselor if you have a person, especially a black therapist, but if you have a counselor and say, I'm having this issue with even the fact of coming to talk to you because I think that that in itself is weak before you even get into the topics around what it is about you specifically that you want to cover. And so I just want to encourage people to challenge people to challenge some of that thought process around weakness because that's not something that we adopted on our own. I think one thing though, if I may interject, that had a lot to do with that is just 
just our nature. We've gone through so much that it's like, no, we do this. We can continue to do it. We do it all the time. Black boys, don't cry. Don't cry. That's a form of weakness. Don't talk about your feelings. Just go do what you got to do. Be hard. Be. So I definitely feel it was ingrained in us, you know, and it's our generation that can say, hey, you can talk to me about how you feel. Instead of people, like now there's a saying in our community that's just like, um, what, what, what do they say? <laughs> it's instead of explaining their feelings, it's just like, you know, that it, it, it's just the feeling, you know what I mean? Because I feel that way, but you feel what way? We're not expressive, we're not able to, to actually describe what it is we're feeling and without a description, you can't be assisted and can't be helped, you know, whether it's a toddler that's crying, you're trying to get to the point, they can't speak. But at that point, you know, it's one of three things generally, right? Either you're teething, you're hungry, or you're wet. So it's kind of easier to do then, as opposed to when they're 15 and 18 and, and older and they're going out. And it's like, you know, they're, they're always told, suck it up, knock it off, just, you know, it's, it's okay. And you have to kind of be like, okay, sometimes you could do a self-check. So. I think we've instilled that, but we also have the right and the ability to, pro to propose corrective action at the same time. But while I do have you on the line, doctor, I did want to ask you a question. So I do know there's something called situational depression, which means it can be hard to adjust after a stressful or traumatic event. What can you tell us about this, especially as it relates to this topic? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's something to consider, especially even from a diagnostic standpoint of something like situational or um, in our, the diagnostic statistical manual is called an adjustment disorder, basically meaning like you're not meeting full criteria of chronic depression or chronic anxiety or some other kind of concern, mainly because you are adjusting or responding to the situation, right? So it's expected to be a brief experience um, of whatever those symptoms that you're going through. The idea though, and actually I was taking some notes because you all said some things that were standing out to me about that. The challenge I think when it comes to considering something situational is what's most important is once the situation has passed, how are you, how are you functioning? What is your response? And if a lot of those symptoms that you're experiencing are lingering, now you're getting to the place where time just, just simply because of the time frame wise of how long you've been experiencing that, you're getting into a place where maybe you're having a true episode, right? A true episode of depression or a true episode of anxiety. Those things are also important when you think about too, that when we think the situation of COVID being in a pandemic and racial injustice pandemic in itself as well, that there are a lot of us who have pre-existing conditions that were not treated of anxiety or depression or other things underlying. And so when you have a situation on top of something that was already, you're starting on a crumbling foundation and then putting more stress on top of it, you are bound to break. And so it's important to think about how these, anytime you have any kind of situation, especially something this magnitude, you probably will feel like you are crazy. Like you are losing your mind, even though it is something that is truly situational and it's expected to pass. But in our experience, I mean, maybe that's true for non-Black people, but in our experiences, we think this is situational and it will pass and it keeps happening time after time after time again, where we are witnessing Black people being murdered at the hands of police. So then what do you do? And that is where the issue comes into play when we talk about systemic racism and what the changes need to happen is that don't tell us that this is a situation and I'm having a situational experience of depression because of George Floyd's murder being televised, right? It's no, I am grieving something that has been chronic and intergenerational trauma being passed down from mm -hmm. time to time. This is not just me in a situational moment. So the point of that is how do you identify that what is something that's truly a situation and what is something that really is more chronic and the treatment of those two things is going to look a little bit different. If that makes sense. Yeah, and yes. and and Dr. Dr. Lauren, to your point, first of all, I just want to be sensitive to time. I'm not not sure where we are in time as far as uh, the conversation is, um, but but I'll just add these two points, and and, and I'll try to be a brief as brief as possible. Uh, as you're talking about the, the chronic issues in which we're dealing with systemically as a culture, uh, I had a phone call this morning with a with a local a local gra a grassroots organization who were on the front line and specific in these areas of social injustices. And they are actively seeking with the state an uh, entitlement to, to, to label racism as a public health crisis. 
I mean, and this is what we're dealing with on, on, on this level and the magnitude of how things have escalated so fast, particularly in the last eight weeks. And then I'll add to, um, to your point, both Sal, you mentioned it, and Dr. Lauren, you mentioned it as well in, in talking about the weakness of uh, wanting to speak with someone and, and certainly having uh, or being that, that alpha male uh, personality driven uh, and taught by a single black mom uh, who raised five kids on her own, uh, all graduated high school, graduated college, and put two sons in the NFL, we've dealt with what emotions look like from our parents. And a lot of that is ingrained to us as kids, right? And, and, and not in the sense that we're actually dealing with what we're dealing with in a positive manner. And in speaking with someone about that symbolizes weakness. Well, I'll challenge that and say, from a leadership perspective, it's vulnerability. And it's okay to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and, and expressing that in a way where um, you share your experiences simply with someone else uh, under the notion that uh, what I've been through, I can certainly relate to what you're going through, but in sharing my experiences certainly make me more human and more capable of dealing with it in a positive way than the negative cycle of continuing to play back the negative thoughts of what we did or the experience we had that could have been better using it in a positive manner to say, how can I change and how can I show up better the next time the situations arises? So vulnerability uh, really is a, a, a real key strategy, I, I think, in uh, having and being in those positions to talk about things of this nature at the capacity in which we want to initiate change. Vulnerability is power. Like vulnerability straight up is power. And if we can if we can change that notion and make people feel a sense of empowerment by activating the force that is vulnerability, the Jordan's point, that's where we, that's where we have an opportunity, I believe, at, at massive collective shift. Fair, absolutely. And I think it has to continue to be acknowledged, right, that it, is, it has been the goal, I would even say, of this society, of this country, to strip us of our humanness, which then means that we should not be vulnerable. And so we are asking people to do things that we have never been given the opportunity to do, right? So given that just being able to acknowledge that that is a thing that has happened, and this is not our problem, this is not, we didn't get ourselves here, however we know how to get ourselves home, right? But it, we are also putting a lot of the onus on our society, on our leadership as a country, and changing the part of that systemic racism is that if you want me to come and sit down in front of a therapist, right, I've been both a counselor, a therapist, and a client. So with intention that I understand that piece of what it means to sit down across someone you don't know and share so many things about yourself, why would I do that, right? So it's how much of that can we continue exactly what, you, what you're saying is, how do we push that narrative, encouraging that empowerment and sharing that narrative, that vulnerability, no matter what we've been told continuously, is that vulnerability is power, is absolutely key. So I agree with that. Thank you. Now, and I feel like those were some of you guys' takeaways from exactly what we've been discussing today. Um, let me, let's check back in with Ace. What's something that you want? I know you mentioned the questions I think I asked you earlier pertain to you being an entertainer, but you've mentioned um, happily that you're also a father and a husband. So what, what would you like someone to take away from all elements of your being from what's going on today and the topics we discussed? I think that uh, I want to speak a little bit about the vulnerability, which I think is very important because coming from an in, coming from an industry that doesn't believe in you being that vulnerable in, in, in you know, and showing a level of like humility to a certain degree is which is the reason why I wanted to become independent so I can actually implement these things in the game and kind of pierce it. So there's a healthier perspective. Uh, vulnerability is the thing that led me to my wife because I didn't have as much vulnerability and humility as I wanted when I first met her. But that's the thing that I seen in her and I wanted more for myself. So that's what took us on this journey and me just being um, honest about who I am, standing up in my trials and, and, and where I am and, and ultimately becoming something totally different. Um, so this is also what led me to the uh, my meditation and mindfulness and stuff like this because I think this is the most profound work that you that anybody could ever do because uh, anything that we do in life it's always resulting us to understand ourselves better 
And I feel like understanding yourself better helps you understand people, you know? So being compassionate and loving and, you know, with yourself and understanding with yourself helps me and people to understand and see the same traits within them too. So um, I don't know if I, I actually answered your question. I kind of went off there, but okay. I want to hear your question again. I got so many ideas and thoughts. I just didn't want to carry it on. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this though. Um, no, no, we love you guys being here and speaking. I was saying that I think I was addressing you in the beginning as solely an entertainer, but yes. since you have so many roles, you're a young black man who's a father, a husband, and an entertainer. What would you like people's takeaway, your fans, your audience, whomever's listening on this platform, to be of you and your stance in when it comes to oppression and depression? Uh, I would say, you know, I want people to feel, you know, because I'm, you know, I want people to feel like they could, they could become the, the best, the highest version of themselves. You know, the work is, you know, the work, work is hard and it's excruciating at times and it's painful. Um, but I, I feel like that's my life's mission as a person. You know, I think even in the, from the music industry to all my pillars in my life, it's just to become the best version in each and every one of those, you know? So mm -hmm. that's literally my journey. And that's what I want people to take away from me. I want people to see, again, a rep, you know, a healthy representation of a black family that's loving, that has compassion, you know, uh, and that talks to their children, you know? And it's not like, you know, uh, we grew up on spankings and whoopings and all of this stuff. <laughs> I was different because I'm so aware of just mental health issues and stuff. And I think a conversation is always most important. So um, I've always wanted to be the representation and even in a physical form, it's just uh, what I've been able to manifest internally for it to kind of spill out on uh, my physical being, you know? So that's what I most importantly want people to see is uh, and to get is to be able to be in search uh, of them high, you know, the highest version of themselves. So they can live happy and healthier lives, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually. So, um, because you get in that place, I think that's, that's just, that's abundance, you know, that's free, right. freedom also too. So, um, you know, in, in some sense, connecting myself away from the external, you know, the external and like the worldly dream, so to speak, and focusing that attention is allowing me to like be here and be present and be on earth and like really give myself in a full way, you know, whether it's to, uh, you know, pushing the narrative forward about our people, you know, um, and just the damage that we've had in the past and knowing that what, you know, I love what Lauren said too, is that knowing that what we are dealing with, it's not our trouble and in, in our thing to burden alone. Like it's, we've learned this through a system of our mother and our grandmother. So there's a, you know, there's just a lineage of just traumatic, you know, experiences that we've had for our entire life. So, um, you know, if you don't clean the operator, you don't clean the engine out, I feel like, you know, the car won't run as well. So at some point we got to address these issues and really come face to face with the things that's, uh, uh, you know, just kind of keeping us small, I would say. Indeed, thank you. And then Dimrit, from your, um, what do you want people to take away from your stance and what we're going through right now? Just a, a solid something that you said that you want them to really, remember and they have that pivot when they're trying to do something that's self-destructive perhaps i would just um my takeaway would be that i don't know a lot of people are pushing like negative narratives out here and that's them that's mm -hmm. not you you know some of these people that feel the way they do some of the the people on the other side of it where you think how could they think like this or or what's mm -hmm. going on where is this coming from yeah, that's their own thing they got to deal with. You know, it's it's about focusing on you being aware that you can't be perfect at all times. And, you know, uh, with me, what I do with my fans is I just I just share my journey, you know, and, and I do believe that anything is possible. And I do believe that power is in you focusing on what you and your family, your friends, your circle and trying to build them up. And it, as you guys are coming up, then they could bring people up also. And you can create this bubble of change that you actually have uh, an actual effect on, you know? And these other people, it's gonna be hard to change some of the opinions because you can't even fathom where they're coming from. Like I hear some things sometimes, I'm just like, where is this, how? Like y'all living in a different world than, than not 
are we here in the same place? And it's like, that's where I feel like some of the frustration comes from. And, and I would tell a fan out there or tell anybody out there, don't let it get you. Don't let it beat you down. Don't let their perception rub up off on you and make you feel some kind of way because that's their own issue. Focus mm -hmm. on you, yours, build you and your people up, be a good person, and don't think that, you know, you don't have to be perfect the whole time. I like the way you said we all uplift each other because if we all stand on the shoulders of someone else, we can only, we have no glass ceiling, right? So um, we're going to wrap it up. I do want to thank Providence again and Dash Radio. Thank you, Dr. Lauren Harper, um, Sal, Jordan, Asad, and Dimrick. And you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Stay positive.